Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of another film podcast. My name is Tierney. <laughs> I'm Colin. And I'm Fox. Matt Fox. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Spare me. Double of seven. I don't like it. I don't like it. Go back. Do it again. Shaken, not stirred. That's anyway. how I like my shakes. <laughs> makes no sense. Going into like a smooth, like a Jamba Juice. <laughs> You're just like, no, can you just stir the, just stir it all together. Don't blend what? it. Don't shake it. Just stir it all together. Or shake Like a McFlurry? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Except it's so thick you can't, nothing happens. You're just That's going like this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, this good, week's movie good, is good job, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's Get it. Get on track here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Matt, this was your pick. Speak on it. It sure was. Uh, I watched this sometime last year. I can't remember exactly when uh but was so blown away the first time i watched it uh that i was like i think i need to rewatch this to make sure that it wasn't just like first watch bias which i don't know if it's a thing but i like was so overwhelmed by like the music <laughs> Isn't that and the just cinematic. liking a movie yeah i was like what, what the I fuck guess, are you talking about <laughs> but just like watching it and being like is this as 10 out of 10 oh, okay. in every category as much as I think it is. And second time around, I was like, yeah. Uh, but, like, I think the cinematography and the music and the acting and the writing and the sets, everything is, like, spectacular to watch. Um, and so I wanted to make it a movie that we could watch as part of the festival because I don't remember a theatrical release for this. I, like, remember it... <laughs> in trailers and then i remember watching it at home but i don't remember like a time when it was in theaters maybe colin has more information on that since you see everything in theaters i was gonna say i can guarantee that it did get a theatrical release because i saw it in theaters Good. now i don't know debunk the theatrical <laughs> <laughs> try again bitch <laughs> um i don't know what the theatrical release was like in Portland, but we had it for about a month here in Denver in like three or four theaters. So I would imagine you probably had it for a little while. It was it did not have a very long release. Um, I do remember that, but I did see it in theaters last summer, and I did not love it as much as you did, but I was very taken aback by it. Like, I thought it was... Especially considering pretty much everybody involved in this to my knowledge this was like their first thing like it was definitely the uh joe talbot's first movie Mm -hmm. um presumably this was jimmy fails first like thing i jonathan majors may have been in other stuff but this is the first i'd ever seen him so like the fact that all of the major players involved in this this was like their first go around i was just like holy shit (laughs) it's so impressive and so moving and beautiful and heartbreaking and we'll definitely talk about it later but there was like a scene towards the end of the movie that just completely wrecked me and i could not stop thinking about it for like weeks after the fact so yeah i definitely really like this movie i was glad to see that you put it back on here because i i only saw it the one time in theaters. I hadn't seen it since uh, it came out, so Ooh. I was excited yeah. to, to rewatch. But T, what'd you think? I loved it. 
I thought it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's very little that I even like. Not I wouldn't even say didn't like, but just was like maybe confused by. Uh, or, yeah, I don't know what I was trying to say there, guys. <laughs> there's very little <laughs> that I would have had like <clears throat> issue with. Or, like, mm-hmm. disagreed with. I thought it was, like, like Matt said, like, 10 out of 10. Uh, it was a film that was perfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, my well brain is really not working today. But, no, I really, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, did you like all the skateboarding? I did. And <laughs> Those shots are great, though. They are. And the cinematography is really good. And, like, the lighting is really good. Mm-hmm. It has a very recognizable soundtrack um, with those horns. Uh, no? Yeah. You guys, all of you had blank faces. No, I agree. I said that. <laughs> that score, that score, like, <coughs> surprises you so fast out of the gate of, like, mm-hmm. what, uh, it feels like you're, like, diving headfirst into, okay, so... Uh, it reminds me of somebody was reviewing Phantom Thread, and they were like, there are times when you watch a movie, and within the first few minutes, you understand that you're, like, in the hands of somebody who understands the craft and has, like, mm-hmm. mastered it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that in these opening minutes of, like, the music and the shots. Uh, everything is so, like, powerful right out of the gate, where you, like, are just overwhelmed by how beautiful everything is um, and yeah. i feel like the score is really part of that it's just this recon like you said it's a recognizable score that like i feel like should have been nominated we'll get to that later but like the score is so uh big and like really moves the movie forward um that it's crazy that it wasn't nominated in my opinion but i will say yeah. sort of what adding on to what you were saying is like i had to pause it like 15 minutes into the movie uh, I can't remember why but I was like looked at the timestamp and I was like oh my god it's only been 15 minutes because it's like so like rich and juicy that you're just like digesting everything that I was like fully expecting <clears throat> it to be like 30 minutes already and I was like oh I've barely started this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a really like it's a really slow movie um, which obviously is not necessarily a bad thing, but, um, like on the one hand, it feels like, like it's two hours long. And on the one hand, it feels like it's longer than that. Not in a bad way. Like sometimes movies you're just like, Oh my God. But like, this never feels like over long in a negative way. But then other times you're just like, it just flies by, you know, like you're just watching a whole sequence. You're like, Holy shit. Like, you know, we're 20 more, 20 minutes later than I thought we were. And it just felt like we just moved. So the the way that it kind of threads that needle uh and it's like it's perfectly p- paced i can't imagine it going any faster in any moments i can't imagine it going any slower in in moments it's just like exactly right so to your point matt where you like this whoever is doing this like they know what they're doing and they're fucking crushing it yeah and I it's like down, very clear from from jump i wrote down i think it was like my second note yeah, because my first note was super recognizable score. <laughs> but the, every frame is crafted, like, with love. 
mm-hmm. for the place and the characters inside of it. And I really enjoyed that. I So, um, <clears throat> when I first saw the trailer for this movie, <clears throat> it reminded me of If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, just in the way that like just in the way that the shots were 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 filmed it just looked like everything like you said Tyranny was just done with so much love and care um and it's i do think that it like this would make a really interesting like double feature with if bill street could talk cuz i think if bill street could talk is a love story between two people and this is a love story between one person and a house slash a city um and i think that like watching those two back to back would be like a really powerful one two punch maybe between two people well okay <laughs> maybe sure. one sided but right, we'll i was going to say yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but i i also i mean they're also both plan b productions yeah um and uh oh finn Wittrock is in both of them he's and he plays both sides of the white coin which is he's the lawyer in Beale Street and, like, wants to help them, and then he's the realtor in this and, like, does not help them. And it's interesting that, like, the same guy basically shot the same way. He's always on the right side of the frame, always behind a desk, and, like, trying to appeal to, like, I'm on your side. Um, Which we were talking yesterday when we were watching it, uh, my roommates Hannah, Jeff, and I, and when he's talking to uh, Mont and Jimmy and they're like, yeah, it's empty right now. Uh, and like, nobody's living in the house. And he's like, the injustice of it all. Like the <laughs> delivery of that line is so perfect for what that character is, yeah. which is like a totally out of touch, uh, self-centered white person who like does not understand what this house means to these people specifically, but to, the community, but, like, to the city of San Francisco, and it's just, like, it's such mm-hmm. a shame that I can't sell the house when he doesn't understand that, like, Jimmy is homeless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. just, like, laughs off how uh, unjust it is, which is, like, it's interesting to watch, if you were to watch Beale Street, to see the difference in his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he looks exactly the same in both movies. Um, so that's an interesting point, actually. Yeah. I couldn't figure and out also, what I knew him from, so thank you for that. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff. Like, he's just, oh, like, small little parts in, like, a bunch of random... I mean, he's got some bigger roles, like, I think on the TV side, but in terms of movies, I don't know if he's been, like, a big part in many movies, but he has been in, like, a lot of... Like, he was in uh, Big Short. He was, like, a minor character in the Big Short. Mm-hmm. Um, was he one of Leonardo DiCaprio's people? In, in big short. the big short? Oh, whoa. <laughs> I get I get big short and Wolf of Wall Street mixed up all the time. Guys, all my time. brain is not working today. Oh boy. Uh, to answer your question, no, he was not one of Leonardo's people <laughs> in the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm trying to figure out because I saw he him was... on screen, and I don't know if it was just his performance, but I immediately was like, I feel like I hate this guy, but I don't know why. He's got he's got that quality to him. He played a villain okay. in American Horror Story too, and was like awful. Like he was the like cruelest, like most annoying villain. Um. 
and like he just has that quality to him because he's like too pretty he's like too like perfectly preened where you're like ugh, fuck this guy but he does a great job i do like finn wittrock as a character as like an actor yeah um, but he certainly has that air of like exactly who we see in this movie mm-hmm. uh but oh yeah i guess should we talk about like the setup to the movie because we're just diving right in uh i also, love the premise of him taking care of a house like even yeah. before they move in i just love that he came over and painted and was like, this garden is out of control. Yeah. I thought that was really uh, sweet. This is also based on Jimmy Fail's life, which is a different thing that I learned about, uh, I think, only last week when I was, like, looking up the movie to do some preliminary research. But, like, he's the name of the character he plays, and mm-hmm. he helped write the story, and, like, he had this goal of trying to get back this house that his family lived in. Um, I don't think it went as far as this movie took it, but mm-hmm. uh, but that also, I think, like paints a lot of the realness of this story and how authentic it does feel. And, mm-hmm. um, and kind of that in media res start, where you're kind of like, what, what house is this? Why are these people throwing vegetables at him? And like you slowly <laughs> gather the pieces and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This makes sense that like he just wants to keep up the house because that is important to him. Mm-hmm. And then when the opportunity <clears throat> comes that like they leave the house and he gets to actually inhabit it, that's where like the actual story takes off. But the reveal of information is interesting too because they keep giving you little hints mm-hmm. that like this isn't as clear cut as uh, either he or other people are making it. Um, I thought that was really interesting, too. Especially thought, with his dad. I thought the reveal of information, it's like a little, like, Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb throughout the whole movie. And that's probably the thing that I loved the most, is just that it's so well done. And, mm-hmm. like, you just, like, you're given a puzzle piece one at a time, and then together it paints this, like, very full and, like, rich picture. Um mm-hmm. But you're not like, I don't know. It's it it placed. I feel like a lot of uh, respect and trust on the audience to figure it out. With that, like at no point did I feel handheld or mm-hmm. like this is his life. But it was just like this is his life. Look at yeah. it. I don't know. I really well, I think like that. I really like the way that that plays into like the street gang outside of montgomery's dad or like grandpa's house or whatever because like you know when you first get started you're just like okay whatever this is just like a group of dudes who hang out on the street like okay but then like mont starts kind of like studying them for this like play that he's writing or he's like drawing or something like you can tell that he's just kind of studying them and then when he invites uh kofi over to the house and you get like that whole backstory of how like not only are they like the you know that those people all like tied together from the fact that they're like prox like proximally related uh, outside of this house but like they actually have like a character history um which just makes like that whole thing it retroactively that much deeper um which i thought was really well done um 
Mm-hmm. And the reveal of information in that scene where you find out that Jimmy was in a group home, mm-hmm. you yeah. also find out that Mott doesn't know he was in a group home, yeah. which is like an interesting dynamic that like these guys that we've seen that we felt like are a separate group from Jimmy and Mont, right, have a history with them and a deeper history with Jimmy at least that even Mont didn't realize, uh, which is mm-hmm. also just like an interesting dynamic in what Mont. Mont's journey is through the movie of like finding out more information about Jimmy um, and who Jimmy really is and what this like legend that he's like stoked the flames of Mm -hmm. is rooted in and like what it means to him and I think that's I think Mont is like one of the most interesting characters I've seen in like recent movies but also just like in this story to be almost as equally a protagonist as Jimmy is, but for mm-hmm. them to be on su- such different uh, paths for what their stories are leading to. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah. I also like uh, the way that they like their on-screen chemistry and performances um, mm-hmm. to where you feel like they have known each other for years. Which is just like a testament to their performances. Um, I'm I really struggling with words, guys. I hope. Please let me know if I'm not communicating something. <laughs> no, you're no, doing you're good. great. Too. You're good. Okay. <laughs> um, I said that and I was like, I feel like none of that made sense. No, it was fine. Okay. Uh, I thought we kind of mentioned this earlier. I thought all the performances were very good. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, Jonathan Majors as Mont in this movie is unreal. He's so good in this movie. Every single scene that he is in, you just can't take your eyes off of him. He is just so captivating throughout the entire movie. And it's like, it's so heartbreaking to watch everything play out with him. Cause he's just, he's so sweet and so genuine and like everything that happens is kind of sad. <laughs> If not yeah. very sad. And it's Hannah, just so heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Hannah was so bummed at the end of the movie and was like, that was such a sad ending. And I was like, I forgot how sad it was. Like, yeah. in my rewatch, I was like, how does this end again? I know that, like, they do the reveal at the play and, like, obviously they have to reckon with that. But I was like, but what happens? And then what happens is so sad that I was like, it's- I must have blocked it out. It's brutal. It's so yeah. rough. And then, like, I don't know if we how in depth we want to talk about the ending right now. I mean, we're kind of in it, but let's go. Might uh, as well. The like the fact that so he reads that letter, which, by the way, <laughs> heartbreaking, wrecked me. I was like, just awful. Um, but he reads Do that you letter, mean the and then card at the end. Yeah. yeah, like, okay. they're just, like, when Jimmy's just, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know how to say goodbye, thanks for being my best friend. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And my best <laughs> friend being, like, capitalized. All caps with no space between, it's just, like, one, like, best friend, like, a thing. Yeah. And his beautiful signature. After, oh, yeah, so, with, like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, Jimmy fails the fourth. Like, <laughs> it's so brutal. And, like, the movie could end there. Right? Like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, it is over at that point, right? Like, but the fact that we still get to follow Mont on a few, like, not like a full day, but like a few different things. We just get to see Mont, like, 
now living without him and like still going to the house and still sitting across the street from the house and seeing what like the bastardized version of this house looks like now that it's on the market and uh god that scene is so rough to see everything painted over yeah is brutal basically everything from the play till the end of the movie is just relentlessly heartbreaking yeah (laughs) it's so sad but it's done so well that you know like a lot of movies where you could say like the last you know 30 minutes of the movie are just really heartbreaking like that would make you not want to watch that movie again talk about the you know like it would just be like oh it's too much i can't but everything about this movie is done so well that yes it is heartbreaking and it is just so so sad that these things happen but like like you said matt like you finish watching it you're like i kind of want to watch it again <laughs> like that yeah. shit was so good <laughs> like i want to put myself through that heartbreak again it's like because oh, it was that just was so so moving so sad but then <laughs> yeah. but then it's also like parts of the movie are so like like, when they finally get to the house, and they run around the house, and they're, like, yelling like kids, I was like, yeah. oh, I just want to live in that space. And then forget about the ending being so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's also interesting, like, if you if we want to talk about those final moments, um, the we see Jimmy rowing a boat across the waters, like, next to the Golden Gate Bridge, that's probably a fantasy. It's probably just what Mont is imagining he's doing. Yeah. But the imagery of that, of being on a boat in kind of rough waters, um, is interesting to think of this almost as, hear me out, a reverse odyssey of, like, his his whole goal is to return home, and he does, and then realizes that, like, this city will not let him live where he wants to live and be in his home mm-hmm. and so then he like departs for places unknown to like explore the dimensions of who he is away from this place that he calls home um and i think having the scene where he's like you're not allowed to hate it unless you love it mm. makes you realize that like he's not leaving the city because he's like fuck this city i'm done he just realizes that like i love the city too much mm-hmm that I can't stand being here anymore. Like, I can't be rejected by it all the time and, like, mm-hmm. just deal with this gentrification. Like, gentrification is the true villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot of other movies, like, place it in such an antagonistic position that it feels like a constantly looming threat to the protagonist that you are with. And like this movie, you're just like this can't work out. Like, this city's gonna fuck them. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not like four million dollars for this home. And like when I was watching it last night with uh, Jeff and Hannah, Jeff was like, "I'm glad that it wasn't some like." And my uncle has four million dollars, and we bought the house. And oh, great! Yeah, and like it doesn't seem like that's where the movie's ever headed. But like, it could like another movie could have done that to be like and see it's all a happy ending but like this is the reality of like the Mm -hmm. housing market in san francisco and how people are priced out and forced 
to like Bufu, like he was saying his aunt is in. Like Yeah. And it's this is how it ends. Like this is how these stories end right now. Um yeah. and that makes it more powerful and more real. Yeah. It would have been oh god, that would have been terrible. <laughs> yeah. My been play so... raised four million dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, God. I would have fucking hated this movie if I would have done that. <laughs> uh, I also, just in adding what you were saying, one of the things I really I noted that I thought was done really well in terms of making gentrification the villain is it wasn't a single point of view or, like, a single way in which it's gen- uh, gentrified, but, like like all consuming to where everything around them like mm-hmm. he is the scene of him riding on the back of that truck and the truck is for acai am i saying that right acai yeah acai saying, berries. does anyone actually know how to say that word <laughs> i think it's acai it's but it's crazy because you're supposed to pronounce every letter apparently it's too many letters for it's too much pronunciation for a four-letter word anyway. yeah yeah sorry yeah. those <laughs> um but yeah, that one I thought was really good, and I also thought the scene where he's at the bus stop with the naked dude and the trolley mm-hmm. truck drives by like is the, both the party like, bus. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. it's so <laughs> sad, and at the same time, like there is a tiny bit of humor, mostly because that man is naked. Maybe I'm just a juvenile, <laughs> but the, well, the no. fact that the guy is like, man, these people. And then he's, like, (laughs) sitting there naked. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, like, very sad, but also, like, the fact that there's, like, a a little sprinkle of humor, I feel like, makes it even more real. Yeah. When I think it, like, it also, the fact that it doesn't phase Jimmy either, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it just, like, he's, like, his whole character, everything about him is that he is from this place like this is this place is his home like yes specifically that building but san francisco more broadly is like his identity and so the fact that like that dude like he's just sitting at the bus stop waiting and that dude walks up naked and it doesn't phase him at all and they just like have a conversation it just like really grounds like this at some point was san francisco and then you like cut to that trolley bus where just a bunch of fucking drunk white bros are just like oh this guy fucks like it's just like oh that's that's san francisco now and god what a shame <laughs> what a fucking shame yeah oh that's such I did a great also way to put like it too the choice of the man putting down a towel yeah that was fun <laughs> part of life that's so san francisco yeah apparently. yeah like, that's what they do yeah i was gonna, gonna say that? sorry yeah you can go ahead matt just the all-encompassing like it's coming at them from every angle. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. the neighbors... Like, the the scene where he's like, I'm gonna be the best damn neighbor you've ever had in this in this uh, neighborhood. And then walks back and the guy's like, the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, yeah. the neighbors aren't their friends. The people who owned the house aren't their friends. The realtors aren't their friends. The people on this fucking party bus aren't their friends. Like, this city is, like, all white people who just don't care about this city at all. And I think the fact that it's the way it starts just like sets you up for what like all the things that you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Like it, this, the first shot of the movie is this cute little black girl with no teeth, and she's just like sucking on a lollipop. And you're like, oh. And then it cuts to like some random white dude in a hazmat suit cleaning up, like whatever the fuck is going on. 
And then she just, like, keeps on skipping, living her life. And then, you know, you get the voiceover from the preacher just talking about how, like, they're all in hazmat suits and we're all just here living our lives. Like, how fucked up is this? And so, Mm. like, the movie starts in that way to just set you up for, like, all of these other examples of black people just getting pushed out farther and farther and just getting the raw end of the of the deal and it's it's so upsetting (laughs) yeah the uh another thing about the shots so this might be a pivot but uh the shots in the movie uh also my roommate jeff had a good comment of like they're, they feel like a 60s movie or like at least a 70s movie of like the zooms and like the mm-hmm. zoom outs and the tracking shots um, but especially those zooms and particularly the one of Jimmy's dad in his apartment window yeah. and the zoom from the street to the point like one of the best shots is just him in the center of the frame in this window and the entire frame is filled with the word stay mm-hmm. just in like bright white letters against an orange backdrop but it's such like a, a eye-popping shot in a movie filled with these shots of just like uh, perfect composition and like the the light of San Francisco is always like filling the frame. I just like those shots are so beautiful. That's when you say it's like a like a seventies movie that nails it pretty much perfectly. But I love those techniques that I feel like yeah. they should be used in contemporary times, too. <laughs> For sure. And they feel like this movie feels so different because it utilizes those. It, because mm. it, like, it makes you see the story of two characters in a way that kind of the 70s movies were meant to. Like, they were more character-driven, more slow, like, purposeful plots that were just about, like, a small situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this movie captures that so well of like you're just living the life these two guys lives with them it also yeah. does like a great job especially in like the shot you mentioned but then in some of the other ones of just like creating a sense of place like it's not mm-hmm. like we're gonna show him giving his skateboard to that dude and then we're gonna show the dad in the window seeing it we're gonna like set it up so that it's clear that it's all in the same place and that you're just kind of like living in that place too mm-hmm. which i also very much enjoyed yeah also the shot of him at the nursing home on the balcony smoking and the zoom out from the balcony as like the light lens flares directly onto him is like every shot is gorgeous and that shot the second time around i was like holy shit like how did they get this like this how did they pull this off it's such a gorgeous shot and it feels like a wes anderson shot of like everything is perfectly placed and like Mm -hmm. very precise and this like zoom away from this witch's hat like peak uh but it's so its own thing and it's so like uh it speaks so much to Jimmy's character and, like, his daily routine. And we only really see him at that nursing home, like, once or twice, I think. I mean, there's, like, the the one sequence that you're talking about, like, at the end of that first sequence. Um, and then there's, like, another shot, like, later in the movie where you can just see he's wearing his scrubs as opposed to, like, the red shirt that he usually wears. Yeah. But I think, the, I think those are the only two times he's ever, like at that nursing home like at work i think everything else is just like him living his life elsewhere in like the 
the Bay Area, but... I have a question about the nursing home. So, this is plot understanding. So, the house is owned by sisters, right? Or is it owned by their mom? Their mom, and then she, like, left it, I think, out of the will. From what... I think, yeah, it's supposed to be kind of unclear exactly Because I was wondering, is the mom the woman from the nursing home? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think the mom died. Okay. And that's why the the sisters are arguing about who gets to keep the house. And because they're arguing, neither gets to keep it. And now it's going to, like, get lost. Which is why the one sister who is living in the house is so devastated. Because it's like, this is technically her mom's house. And she can't live in it anymore. And, like, her pain. I think that character is such an interesting character, too, of, like... Her pain is so minimal compared to Jimmy's. And mm-hmm. when they, like, meet later on the on the doorstep, and you have to kind of figure out if she knows he's living there or not. Yeah. And then when she's like, they changed the locks on me, you're like, oh, she doesn't know. Like, they can, <laughs> they can get out of here. But, like, the way that she's so devastated, and she's just like, you know, I just letting go. I'm just trying to figure out how to, like, let go of the house. And you're like, you are? <laughs> That's what you're doing? Like, this isn't even your house. This is your mom's house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I mean, the good thing is that she doesn't know who what it is to Jimmy. But, like, knowing in that scene that, like, he also is doing the same thing uh, as her. But his feelings are more justified than hers. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting, too. And she's a shithead. She throws all those vegetables yeah. to introduce her character, and you're like, fuck this woman. Like, who yeah. is this? So, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like... She also cries damn. ridiculously. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. Like, cost of living in San Francisco is out of control. You can't be just throwing away fresh produce like that. And then, like, after I had that thought, like, the husband is just like, oh, that was $3. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad they put that in there. (laughs) They just went on probably, like, a $100 grocery run to get some, like, produce. (laughs) And she's just, like, casually wasting it by throwing it at the guy who's literally making her house worth more money. Like, for free. (laughs) Oh man, I have so many notes. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go through. Hit us. I'm just gonna do a quick run through of lines that I thought were very funny. Um, top of the list, I think the funniest line in this movie is the Segway tour guide after Jimmy schools him about the history of the house, which then we later learn is not the real history of the house. But when he schools him in front of the entire Segway group, and the tour guide's response is, "That's amazing." And like has nothing to say but says that that's is amazing. Like can't even say a full word. It's the funniest line in the whole movie. Well uh, then he I, just like immediately is like, Alright, well let's move on to the next stop and they all just like kind of like finagle their segues around and start moving down the street. It's so like just the whole setup of that is just so silly. Like when they're just it was like I've never ridden a Segway, but like yeah. the fact that you kind of have to like keep it moving at least a little bit so that you don't fall over and so like that whole time jimmy's schooling him he's just kind of like yeah, rocking back and forth <laughs> just, like, it looks so goofy <laughs> pretty is amazing um the 
I can't remember the character's name, but the guy who lives in Jimmy's old car, um, and has like oh, the yeah. curtains and the lights and stuff, of when he is gonna pick up Mont and Jimmy, and he calls Jimmy Daddy Face, or like with your <laughs> dad ass face, yeah. <laughs> and just keeps going at him. I thought that was very funny. I also love like it's really sad, but uh, when they're just sitting there waiting for the bus, and you just hear Mont say. Hey Jimmy, isn't that the car you used to live in? <laughs> it's like kind of funny, but also just like, oh fuck. <laughs> like yeah. And ugh. when he is but like that scene is also so good of when he's actually in the car and you get the yeah. close-ups of all these details. Mm-hmm. And it like close-ups are typically just to like, okay, here's a bunch of little details that like you can know where you are. But when they show the little sticker on the dashboard between the vents, you're like Oh, that's something that, like, Jimmy looked at every day living in this car. Probably stuck it there. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. how weird must it be? And in the same way of, like, San Francisco in general, to, like, be in a place you used to live and remember all those details and also feel like it's not yours anymore. Like, it's been taken away from you. And, like, that car is, like, a microchasm of yeah. the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that character, too... Here's the shots, which then you later learn yeah. are probably the shots that killed Coffee. So, like, yeah, that's an interesting character. Um, mm-hmm. What was I gonna. Oh, when <laughs> they're at that. Sh- I don't even know where exactly they are, but when the guy's like, Auntie, I said 16 Twix, not oh. 60 Twix. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know your life. <laughs> <laughs> Just 60 Twix is so funny. I don't know your life. 16 is such a weird number of Twix to ask for. Like, like 60 doesn't make sense either, but 16 is, like, 10, 15, but, like, 16 just seems so bizarre. Yeah. I don't know your life. So funny. Um, Oh, and then this line I actually think was, like, one we should talk about in reference to, like, the broader story. Oh, but is this your last one? Because I've got another one that's just funny. Oh, you do. I don't think there has any, like, deeper meaning. <laughs> no, do your funny one. So I didn't write this down. I, I don't know exactly what it is. But it's something to when they're just, like, skateboarding around. And Jimmy's talking about how he's like, oh, we should probably stop eating the fish out of that water. Yeah. She's like, I saw a seagull with a dick the other day. <laughs> Mont is just like, Mont is just like, well, I guess that means it was a dude. And he's like, no, a human dick. <laughs> so, so out of nowhere. <laughs> and then after that is when he finds the two-eyed fish. And is yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I love the, the way that, like, he's just on his boat. He's, like, writing in his, like, little notebook. And, and all of a sudden you just, up. like, you hear the fish just, like, plop down. You're like, oh. Okay, like I, you, I clearly know what just happened, and he like pulls the like his journal away, and the camera just reveals the second eye, and it's like, oh, like oh god, no! And then he's like, do I touch it? Yeah, yeah he's like, he like goes to like maybe reach to like throw it back in the water, but just pulls his arm back. It's so good, <laughs> so good. Um, oh, so then the line that I uh, wanted to bring up that I think is very funny but also is such an interesting moment in the movie of when the group of guys outside of Mont's house are all fighting and, like, purposely trying to, like, egg each other on. 
and to break up the fight, Mott runs across the street and is like, very good, very good, very good. Uh, oh, okay, so like, uh, build on it, build on it. And they're like, what? And he's like, yes, very good. Uh, think of the greats, think of the greats. And they're like, I'm confused. And then when he walks away, he just goes, keep building it. As if he's directing them in a play. And it's so funny, but it's also like, I've never seen a moment like that in a movie of, like, somebody directing real life and everyone being like, what's happening? What do you do? Well, and at one just point, leaving one, the scene, like... One of the guys, like, as he's walking away, one of the guys is like, you ain't no director. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, they're you're all aware it. of what's happening, but they're all just so confused. And they're like, uh, how I do we react to this? <laughs> I especially liked it because I've been watching, I've still been watching Barry, like, an episode mm-hmm. a week. <laughs> And it just was like That's a fine. very, it's, it was like a similar tone to like when he takes Kofi aside and is like, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like the, it was like the same tone of like gentleness that Henry Winkler uses in real yeah. life as well. <laughs> um, which I was like, oh, I like that this is like a, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I just enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think the character of Kofi is so interesting uh, in how he plays into both of their stories. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, the... He's always... He seems like he's not fully into... I mean, later on, when uh, his friend is like, did I push him too hard? Um, you do get a sense that, like, Kofi doesn't really want to be like hard or like a tough guy mm-hmm. uh, and then comes over to the house and like hangs out with them in the sauna and is like relaxed and not not part of this group that's trying to make him like tougher mm-hmm. um, and then the next time we see him he's gone like we don't get to see him alive again uh, which then leads to what like is one of the most powerful scenes of this movie is outside of Mont's house um when Mont and G- oh my god, it's such like a loaded scene too because it's Mont and Jimmy on the bus with Jimmy's mom mm-hmm. and oh, Jimmy's yeah. mom, like, kind of recognizing Jimmy and then being like, "Oh, like, how are you doing?" And when he invites her to the house, she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a call. I'll come by." And he's like, "I don't have a phone." And she's like, "Well, I'll yeah, I'll come by tomorrow. What time is uh, is good for you? I'll come, I'll come by." And you're like, "Fuck, this is." so sad and like I, quick sidebar on that yeah. i was i legitimately was like is that jimmy's jimmy fails like actual mother because like they obviously like jimmy like... the casting is incredible because like obviously <clears throat> like the actual human being in real life jimmy fails is playing the character jimmy fails in this movie mm-hmm. and so i was like okay with that in mind it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to have his actual mother play you know, his character's mother, too. I looked it up, and they are not... I, I mean, at least by last name, they are not... It's not the same. I didn't do any, like, further digging. But, like, it is a... Di- like, a, the woman has a different last name, so I don't think that they're related. But, like, the casting and the fact that I knew that he was, like, a real person made me mm-hmm. think, like, shit. <laughs> it's like, this actually could be his mother. Which, again, we're talking about how realistic this whole movie is. Like, that was just another moment of, like... Oh, this this feels so real. Um, 
But anyway, sorry if that was a sidebar. No. Whatever. And I think because again, like with information that's being delivered to you, like you're never quite sure what happened to his mom. Like mm-hmm. you know that she's not in the picture. You know he was in a group home, and you know that his dad lives in that apartment. And like the references to his mom are just that she's like not around. And so to introduce her character as a stranger on a bus, talking about how she knows where the um, Alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous meeting is because she's been there. Mm-hmm. And then to be like, oh, it's Jimmy's mom. Like, this character that's just entered the scene. And then, when they exit the bus into, like, this smoke cloud of with two women crying and walking away, um, which, like, suggests this, like, disaster of, like, a monumental degree. Just, like, these, like, billowing smoke and these people, like, walking sad through it. Um, and then the scene that follows of them finding out that, Co- that Kofi was shot and not understanding, like, what the point of that was. And then for his friend to just break down and, like, cry on Jimmy's shoulder is, like, brutal. And so powerful and so sad. And, like, we get a scene with Kofi to, like, understand who this guy is. And then we lose it. Uh, but, like, I thought that scene is, like, one of the best of the movie. It's just that scene outside of Mont's house. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Everything with Kofi towards the end of the movie is just a gut punch. Like, it's just... Um, and I think, so... <clears throat> I mentioned earlier the scene when I saw this movie last summer in theaters. Um, the scene that just completely destroyed me was the play um and i i was just so completely blown away by it i thought like it was a really fun payoff for all the things that we'd seen mont do up to this point like we'd seen him kind of do that thing on the dock where he was like playing two different characters and jumping back and forth so we'd seen him do that we'd seen him kind of like direct real life interactions between these these uh people and then to see it, like, actually, like, be on stage and, like, with the, the costuming that he did, where he, like, like, half of himself was Kofi and half of him was the other guy whose name I def- definitely don't remember. But, like, with him jumping back and forth, uh, like, that was really fun. But then when it, like, like, when it shifted to his, like, monologue on how, like, basically, like, how people react to death on social media now and like how like that like that whole thing just like completely ruined me and like the whole thing where he was just like like basically these people don't know him they don't know who he was they just know that like at some point they maybe were facebook friends with him and so they put something up on facebook for the likes and like there was that one that where it literally says like oh don't forget to check out my music or like something like that and it's just yeah. it's so brutal that like like that's how so much of this like you know i think the the fact that you get to see like jimmy process this and you get to see that guy who just like breaks down into tears like people who actually knew him you get to see that but then you also get to see the way that like all of this does play out in real life now like that quick juxtaposition between those two was just so devastating and I remember, like, just sobbing in the theater for that, like, entire play sequence. And then, on top of all the Kofi stuff, 
then you get that moment and Jimmy knows it's coming, you know, cause like later on, like when he's having that conversation with his aunt and he's just like, like, I just, I, I wanted to believe it so much that I almost started actually believing it and like forgetting the, the truth. And so like Jimmy knows what's about to happen and Mont knows that he has to like, he has to tell him this way. Cause that's the only way that Jimmy will actually start reconciling with the truth. And so like the whole time, like, I'm still weeping over the Kofi thing, and I'm just seeing this train wreck, uh, like, happening, and I'm just, like, d- just mortified about what's about to happen. And then it happens, and Jimmy just storms out, and it's just... Tears just <laughs> fucking yeah. ruined me for, like, a day. I couldn't get over it. Yeah, that play scene... Uh, it's pretty rough. Is, and it's a... It's, the defining moment of Jonathan Major's performance in this. Yes. Where you're like, holy fuck. Like, this is what it was building to of like, he has to play so many characters in this movie, even if for one or two lines, but which almost makes it more impressive. The fact that he can just shift in and out of that. Uh, Even in the beginning when he's in the mirror and he's practicing the lines he wrote from the guys outside and is trying to sound like them. Mm-hmm. And scares himself, and he goes, oh, because he, like, gets so in character, and then says it in the most genuine way he can. Uh, there's just so many moments where Jonathan Major is like, Majors is, like, just a powerhouse. And the fact that he didn't get nominated is wild. Because it's a fucking travesty. Especially <laughs> because the Academy Awards <clears throat> loves acting. And loves talking about acting and movies and mm-hmm. making art and being an actor. Like, they just fucking love it. And the yeah. fact that they didn't nominate this performance, which is so multidimensional and so, like, grounded in and her, the there's stories so many, that Hollywood like, tells. Subtle choices, too. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, I, was, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to add no, on. No. Yeah, I think, like, <laughs> subtle choices, even, like, <clears throat> pictures of James Baldwin being pinned in his room and, like, playbills being pinned mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. the place. And they never outright say that he gets teased for being, like, fruity and for being, like, soft. But they never outright say that he's gay. But you know that's part of his identity. Like, you understand that this character is gay. And probably in love with Jimmy. And just, like wants to help Jimmy achieve his dreams and like has him as a best friend but like the character has so much depth and so many different things happening uh, including the scene where he's talking to Finn Whitrock and he's trying to stand up for Jimmy and being like this listing is uh, false and so I can like report you and then you'll have to pull the listing down uh, and you might even lose your license like he's trying to be Mm-hmm. tough only for then the truth to be revealed in front of him and him realizing like oh no like this is not as clear cut as I thought it was mm-hmm. um, and he's the heart of the movie like at the end he's the one on the dock and he's the one who's left to work his butcher job alone um, mm-hmm. yeah what a performance though like especially culminating with that play scene mm-hmm. um, but just an overall incredible performance from Jonathan Majors. He's so good. I would good. agree. I and we get to enjoy him in Lovecraft Country soon. I was, so I was going to ask you guys, um, have you, have 
I, any either of you watched *The Five Bloods* yet? Spike's new Netflix no. movie. <laughs> Not I yet. Haven't. So uh, this was obvious. This was the first time I've ever seen Jonathan Majors was in *Last Black Man in San Francisco*. Um, I don't know if he'd done other things, but this is my first experience, like exposure to him. Mm-hmm. And the second time I remember seeing him is in *The Five Bloods*, and. Spoiler alert, not a one-off in this performance. He's really fucking good in that movie, too. And I was like, cool, guess I have, like, a new favorite actor that I will see in anything that Jonathan Majors is in because, goddamn, is he phenomenal. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to, like, derail this podcast too much. Um, I will say I didn't love Defy Bloods. I had, it had moments that I thought were really good and moments that I thought were really powerful. And it had a lot of stuff that I think could have been left on the cutting room floor. But if for nothing else, I would say that movie is worth it for Delroy Lindo's performance and Jonathan Major's performance. Like, they're both just impeccable. Anyway, sidebar, good back to, to Last Black Man in San Francisco. But no. I just love him so much. I remember the first time seeing this movie and being like, oh my god, like, how is everyone not talking about this performance? This is, like, yes. one of the best performances of the year. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it's so good. And he's such a, a beautiful character to, like, follow. And when he's, like, uh, when uh, Jimmy offers him to have any room in the house that he wants and he chooses the dining like, room, the dining room. <laughs> but it really is the most beautiful room that he could pick mm-hmm. and you're like yeah this is the house you, like especially knowing he like loves all these great playwrights you're like yeah this is so fitting for what your character would want and i love that jimmy doesn't try like jimmy knows him like they they are mm-hmm. such good friends that jimmy doesn't try and say like i mean he does ask him he's like the dining room <laughs> but he's like yeah and like that's it like there's no other confrontation he's like all right man dream big and it's like oh like their friendship is so heartwarming it's, it really is it's very very sweet and i love like that particular moment where you get to just see jimmy like recognize him or recognize mont for who he is and just be like yeah man you gotta live your life and i support you and it's just it's wonderful yeah and then to see that room painted white Oh. And the ceilings painted white, and everything just fucking ruined. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it was his parlor. It was his little room. And what, the yeah, watching him is like awful. Yeah, <laughs> it watching match. him walk through it. I think that's maybe even more devastating. Like, I think it would suck to to watch Jimmy walk through and see that, but I think watching Mont walk through that dining room was just like fuck yeah, got it. <laughs> and for him to jump out of the secret that hole. was incredible yeah. <laughs> oh, I so did love that. also the realtor company is manifest realtors no. which is like very appropriate Gross. I missed that yeah, I, did, I missed it the first time around and then the second time I was like mm, I see <laughs> I see what this is. Okay. Yeah. One other thing um, about his performance that I really enjoyed is there, uh, there's a lot of, like, I know I mentioned the subtleties of it, but there's a lot of, like, subtle physical things he does. Like, he does, like, head tilts and everything that I feel like paints, like, a very, like, specific picture to where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this, like, I know how this dude moves in the world. 
that he's in. Mm-hmm. Because, and at no point do you feel like he's acting to where you're like, that's just him. That's just Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Totally. You're or so right Mont. about, like, little, yeah, gestures like that. Of even the way he sits, of, like, his shoulders are always kind of forward. And when he's mm-hmm. writing the play later, and he just has, like, the blanket draped over his shoulders. And he, every shot of him looks like a famous playwright. Like, he looks embodied what his character is. Of, like, this jacket and this, like, posture, and this gentleness, and him recognizing all these little things. Uh, and one of the one of the best lines, too, is when he's drawing uh, Kofi and the other guys, and Jimmy's like, you're drawing them after, like, what they just did to us? After, like, they just made fun of you? And he's like, I'm not supposed to appreciate them because they're mean to me? Like, that's silly. And, like, what, like, just that line for the character of him understanding that, like, people are just results of their circumstances. Like, they're still interesting and multidimensional, and, like, I can still appreciate who they are as real people, and it's not about their individual actions to me that should paint how I feel about them. Yeah, and it's, like, a little on the nose, but um, in the play, like, the, the last thing that happens before the like he starts to like reveal to jimmy like the truth is when he's just like asking the people in the room like what are you going to remember about kofi and they all tell these like really beautiful stories about this human being and the last person he asks is jimmy and jimmy talks about how like he stuck up for me in the group home and he like he never wanted to be in a fight but he saw that there were other people who were being mean to me he stuck up for me and Jimmy says, people are more than one thing. And again, like, that particular line is a little on the nose, but it's, like, it's just so, so powerful when Jimmy says that to then get, like, the the follow-up of, you're right, Jimmy, people are more than one thing. You are more than this house. You are more than, you know, your history here. Um, and that's just, like, a really, like, really beautiful move moment in this movie yeah let's see what other notes i've got uh oh danny glover danny glover sweet sweet perfect danny glover (laughs) just i just i literally my note was danny glover that's it (laughs) i can't remember Uh, (laughs) i saw a tweet the other day and I was going to send it to you guys and then i forgot um and now i'm not going to remember what else was going on but like somebody was just like, can we take a minute and appreciate how Danny Glover over the last few years has just been, like, crushing it in the supporting actor game? And there were, like, four screenshots from movies that he had been in somewhat recently. And I definitely can't remember the other three. But one of them was just a shot of Danny Glover and Jonathan Majors on the couch, just, like, watching whatever movie. And I was like, oh, that's right, he is in this movie. He's so good in this movie. (laughs) And when he's like, is she pretty? And Jonathan Majors is like, "Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But it's such a sweet moment too of like that like he doesn't really realize that Mont is gay and like Mont just goes along with it to be like, yeah, let, let, I'll just describe the show for you. Mm-hmm. Um and the scene where they're moving out and Danny Glover doesn't totally understand what's happening. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, if if you want to like talk about your play, we could like brainstorm. And he's like, "No, no, like I'm not really working on it." a lot right now and he's like okay well just i'm proud of you 
whatever you're doing, I'm proud of you. And it's like, oh my god, this is devastating. And like, <laughs> and this is the happy part. Like, they're getting to live in this big house. Yeah. And it's still emotionally devastating to be like, but Danny Glover? I know. Gonna describe the movies to Danny Glover. That's what I was like, who's gonna watch the movies with him? <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, and then what were the other notes that I had? Uh, just the slow-mo skateboard shots in the beginning showing the neighborhoods that they're riding through and all the joy of the people even um, not being in San Francisco. And then as soon as they enter San Francisco, how angry and, like, lifeless and, like, annoyed all the white people seem in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, yeah, the shots of, like, people on their phones. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just... Yeah, the music like as you just see all these like lifeless faces. Incredible. There was uh, uh, there was one woman who was wearing a mask, and I was like, "Oh, that's fun." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what was coming. Predicted. The rest of us didn't. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the last... I also love in that sequence uh, with. <laughs> There's a dude who's like, take me with you! Take me yeah. with you! And he just starts running down the street and, like, stripping off his clothes. And he's, like, keeping up with them. But then when he has to, like, take off his pants is when they finally go away. And, like, Jimmy was just ready to move on. But Mont was like, huh. <laughs> okay. Also, just yeah. the fact that the two of them can ride on one skateboard is, like... I don't know that I could do that on, like, a longboard, let alone a little skateboard. There was that one, yes, I completely agree with you. I don't know how this worked, but there was that one shot where they were both, like, standing on the skateboard and kicking at the same, yeah. like, like mm-hmm. it was just, like, so perfectly choreographed. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is dope. I don't know, like, physically how this would work, but, oh. <laughs> yeah. But it also, like, again, this movie does so much to communicate without saying things, and that communicates in a single shot that they're synced up, that they get mm-hmm. each yeah. other, that they have a routine, that they know who each other is, and they understand each other's rhythms. Um, and it couldn't be a, a more unique way to show that, of, like, they can't wait for a bus because it's going to take too long, and so they just have to, like, sync up riding a single skateboard together. Um, also, any shot of Jimmy riding the skateboard in San Francisco was, gut like, just so scary of him going down that hill oh, i yeah. didn't know I like, where you were going with that no yeah I, <laughs> when he's later like weaving and then falls off the skateboard like that seemed less scary only he's going real fast which was scary to me but like the scene of him like getting off the acai truck and then just like going straight down one of those steep ass san francisco hills i was like oh my god like what <laughs> How are you not terrified of on a tiny little board just plummeting down that hill? That's all. Uh, I thought the one of him where he got off at the top and went all the way down. That looked like fun. I wanted to join. (laughs) Matt's like, extremely hard pass. No way. No thank you. Um, Or the one where uh, where Jimmy's sitting on it, like sitting on the skateboard. Zooming down? Uh, Have you ever done no that? Way. It's so fun. Nah. But then if you go too fast, you start to get the wobbles, and your board just goes like, like back and forth. Yeah. And your I'm hips are like, that. whoa. And I don't have the core strength for that. <laughs> the last time I did it, I like kind of hurt my back. 
It's too spoopy. See, I don't want to get hurt. No, but you just, you're sitting, so you can just put your feet down and stop within, like, three feet. I was going to say, sitting down would be a lot. I would launch forward. You wouldn't stop immediately. Like, what are you talking about? I would break my ankles. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) You just put your shoes on the ground and slowly skid to a halt. No. Uh, (laughs) Although, I... Uh, I was going to say, what's uh, (laughs) I was, I mean, that's also good. I was recalling Matt on uh, the stand-up paddleboard. (laughs) Or on a scooter. I've only had nightmarish things on any boards. Wasn't it going like this? Any sort of board. (laughs) Or when I, when I, the the best was when, like, I can't remember, like, we were both, like, we both fell off. You fell off. I was on my board and standing, and then you were like, I need you to hold my oar so that I can get back on my paddle board. And I was like, fine. So then I reached out and I grabbed your paddle as you went back on your paddle board, but then I just started moving towards the wall. <laughs> and you, oh, no, you lost. I gave I can't, you both paddles. I can't remember, but I was just stuck on this board and was like, I don't know what I was supposed to do. And just slowly heading towards a wall. And as you got on your board, I was just like, I don't know, this is going to happen. And then I just hit the wall and immediately fell off into the water. It was so funny. Just like watching you. It was the slowest. You you could not have been going one full mile an hour, but like just the slowest movement towards that wall, standing up there, not just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Nothing to help myself at all. Like, and I was like, I don't like, want to fall in. You could have just like gotten, gotten down and just and like, yeah, hands. gotten down on your knees, use your hands, but uh. you just like stood there, watched this whole thing happen. It hit the wall and you just like, <laughs> just yeah. immediately fell in the water. It was the Austin Powers steamroller scene, but in oh, real yeah. life with me of just like, you can do anything to stop this and you're just going to slowly let it happen. That's exactly what me on a paddleboard was. Also, me on a scooter got one second on and immediately fell off and scraped my knee and broke my Apple Watch. So, like, have a bad history. I have a scar on my arm. Like, I am so prone to disaster. No, that was in Portland. It was in Portland, yeah. I had two drinks and then I was like, I don't want to call an Uber. That's too expensive. So, I rented a scooter. Uh, kept trying to push off on it as if like my momentum would start the engine and then here we go and then after hitting my ankle a few times as it like kept swinging into my leg as I tried to push off I realized there was an ignition trigger and I was like oh and as soon as I pressed that I started zooming down a side street and then immediately fell off and it flew out in front of me and I got gravel in my mouth and I thought it was my teeth and I scraped my arm and I broke my watch and I was bleeding, and then I ended so the ride on the scooter, dropped it in a front lawn, like, didn't even stand up, didn't use the kickstand, was just like, fuck this. Called an Uber anyway. I still had to call an Uber, because I was like, well, I'm not walking home, and I'm definitely not on the scooter. Called an Uber, and then just took an Uber home, and then in the ride, just stared out at the empty streets of Portland and was like, like this is the darkest moment I've I I've had where I was like, this is how death happens. It's just a random Wednesday night. 
and you like fuck up and then you die on a side street and no one is around and it's just a random Wednesday when you thought you could ride a scooter and you can't I love that you had two drinks gravel thing. I, I got I felt my mouth and I was like there's grit that might be my teeth and then I pulled out asphalt and was like no this is too black to be my teeth this looks more like pavement oh and oh, I'm it was so sorry. a month that was before. So scary. I mean, I think it's one of the funniest stories I have. Okay, now. good. <laughs> but it was terrifying. It was so disheartening because my thought process when getting the scooter was like, you know, I traveled to Europe alone and I didn't think that was possible. I moved across the country and I didn't think that was possible. I always think I can't ride these scooters, but I believe I can. And the answer was I can't. It was it was the wrong thought. To have, because oh uh, I overestimated my balance, which is still oh. at an all-time low of anyone in the world. Oh, my God. Incredible stuff. Oh, my mom laughed very hard at that story when I told her. And I was afraid she was going to be like, why are you doing these things? Why are you getting hurt? And she was crying laughing and then said, I'm not going to tell this story to the family because you have to tell it to them because it's better when you tell it. And I was like, okay. I did think I was gonna die. <laughs> but yes, fine. I will tell this story. That's fine. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, but that's me on wheeled things. I've fallen down on, on uh, or roller blades. Or yep, yeah, anything that requires say. balance or precision or any athleticism. <laughs> count me out. And sending me on a skateboard down a San Francisco hill will be the last thing I do in my life if that happens. <laughs> If you were like, put me on a skateboard and like kick me off and just push you, one hundred percent dead. Like full collision into the side of a trolley, probably. Oh, I, yes. I don't think you would die because I think I don't think you would make it on the skateboard long enough to gain enough momentum that when you crash into something, you would die. Like I think you would fall point. over pretty quickly. I don't think you would die. You'd probably like fuck up an arm or something. But like my glasses, probably. Yeah. Definitely or the skateboard not, yeah. would be ruined. The skateboard would get hit by a trolley as it just continues down the road. I've, yeah. I have a feeling that Matt doesn't give a fuck about what happens to that skateboard <laughs> after ah. he falls off of it. Nah. I bought rollerblades once in like eighth grade and was like, I know how to rollerblade now. I'm going to do it. And then I put on my rollerblades. I went to the bottom of my driveway. I immediately fell over <laughs> and I took the rollerblades off, packed them away, and I never wore them again. I didn't even get a full use out of them. I bought them from Target, and then I put them right back in the box. Because I was like, nope, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get hurt again. Can I tell you what we used to do with our rollerblades? Yeah. Uh, we found scrap wood and and built a ramp. Yep. <laughs> made from scrap two-by-fours and random pieces of wood. Uh, and we would ride down it or up it on rollerblades and sometimes as you were going the like support system of the ramp would like fall off and so you just like plummet six inches in the process but somehow we all survived (laughs) and no one no one got hurt really oh we're not all so lucky we'd also ride (laughs) off it on bicycles no, I was mostly just trying to illustrate that you took everything safely and everything with care and got hurt, but then mm-hmm. somehow 
None of us did, even though we were being extremely reckless and stupid. Yeah. I'd probably end up with wood in me. Oh, my God. And you fill in the blanks of where you're thinking away. I was about to say, that's what she said. I know, I was like... Maybe we should final. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, should we we get back to the movie? (laughs) Yeah, one last thing in the movie. Uh, Just another incredible shot that I feel like I didn't fully recognize the first time around. But the shot of the ball going into the air and then coming back down to, like, hit the little boy on the head. It's not part of the main story, Mm. but it's just a shot of, like, the camera going up in the air and then tilting down. uh, And it's just a cool shot that they did. Mm-hmm. That I uh, thought was so inventive. Yeah. That's all. That's the last note I have because everything else in this movie we've talked about and everything else has been so good. Is there anything else that I really want to talk about? What would you get it for a tattoo? Probably Ooh. the house. Yeah. Right? Like just Gorgeous. the house. It's a beautiful house. I also, uh, when they were introducing the house, um, I can't remember, Is like there's voiceover. But, like, every, like, there's a line of dialogue, and then it cuts to something on Jimmy. So I remember there's, like, a line where it says, like, with their, like, gilded something or other, and it shows the, like, gold, like, trim around one of the windows, and then it cuts to Jimmy, and he's just, like, wearing, like, a gold chain around his neck. And, like, that was, like, a really fun... I can't remember. It's like very early on in the movie. It's like when you first come across the house. And I think it's probably just still voiceover from the the preacher guy just talking about like, you know, the gentrification of all like, here's all the things that these houses used to have and now they don't have them. But it's like, I remember there were like three or four different things where he like mentions something, it shows the house, you see that particular aspect of the house and then it cuts to Jimmy and like something about him either like his like physical description or like something he's wearing uh just matches up perfectly um so i thought that that was like a really nice touch on like how to introduce this house how to introduce this character how to build that relationship between these two like the the character in the house um i thought that was really well done but yeah that house is beautiful and it's a fucking travesty (laughs) (laughs) he's <laughs> like when you first see it and it's got all like the like the oh, ivy they put and the, the vines double garage in. and that yeah oh Boy. it's so infuriating <laughs> but yeah i would say probably just the house like the 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 original not bastardized version of the house i think was yeah. like the thing that jumped out to me yeah, i'm trying to think if there's anything else even more a two-headed fish Probably. <laughs> or two eyed fish. Or a pigeon fish. with a human dick. Four-eyed fish. A pigeon with a human <laughs> dick. I think that's the... <laughs> that's the real winner here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I also uh, would not get this as a tattoo, but just the thing that I just remembered. Um after Kofi dies, like the the ringleader of that group of guys that always hang out, um, like the way that he commemorates Kofi is just like <laughs> looks like like a polaroid like a polaroid of kofi that's just like attached to like a string that he wears around like a necklace and it's like so cute and sweet and also really bizarre it's like like what um yeah just a little walking memorial yeah well then he like wears it for a long time 
Like he wears every, it to the play. Yeah, he yeah. wears it to the play. He wears it to... Oh, that's another thing. Can you imagine? Like, that play was very clearly set up for Jimmy specifically and people that know Jimmy or at least, like, are relatively in his orbit. Can you imagine being... Like, there's the shot where Jimmy's just walking down the street and giving out, like, invitations to the play to, like, random passersby. And some of them show up to the play. Can you imagine being there... And, like, watching that play happen without having any of the context that we had after watching the first hour and a half of that movie, that would be fucking wild. And being, like, pretty good. That was some real genuine emotion. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that people like... in the audience were part of the play. Wow, this is such an interesting... So, oh, okay. Did you guys like the... notice that the neighbor who was like, the fuck was that, was wearing yeah. the same hat as Jimmy? Oh. Oh, I, I did not. I that. In the, I in also the, like just that like little black scene. beanie. Yeah, interesting. Huh. I also loved his line of when the dad was like, "Not too bad for a black man, huh?" Uh, about the house, and he just goes, "No, very good, very good." <laughs> and you're like, "Fuck this guy, <laughs> so terrible, <laughs> this lame old white guy." Uh, oh, s- sidebar again. Apparently, there were more things that we wanted to talk about this movie. <laughs> just needed to move on to the categories to remind ourselves. Uh, Rob Morgan great performance we talked a little bit about jimmy's dad but like Mm -hmm. another guy that i was like i probably had seen him in some stuff didn't really like recognize him or know him but uh he's great in this movie as jimmy's dad and uh did you guys see just mercy no i still have to watch michael b jordan movie that came out earlier this year rob morgan is in that and holy shit uh Grab the fucking Kleenex because he will okay. tear your heart out. He's so good. Um, watch. Yeah. But anyway, it's on Netflix, isn't it? Or is it Prime? It's on one of them. I don't know which one, but it definitely is on some streaming platform, like Providence. You know, it's not like one of the obscure ones, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's Prime. But anyway. Uh, I think yeah, we've already been. Tattoo, based... I'd... tattoo oh, I think I would just get the house unless i mean i'm open to other suggestions but that was the one that jumped out to me yeah, uh, i think just the house yeah or this the pigeon seagull with the human dick yeah or <laughs> couldn't uh, can't go wrong either way honestly yeah what might actually be a cool tattoo would be one of uh mont's drawings from his mm. book. oh interesting just like one of them and maybe not yeah. like the faces of people but he has so many cool sketches in there. his drawing yeah. of the house i wonder yeah. if that was Jonathan Majors, or if that was somebody else. I, I, I mean, I have no reason to think that it would be or would not be. I was just curious. I also wonder that. every Because t- they always cut from his close-up of his hand, mm-hmm. and that's always the sign of, like, oh, I bet that was someone else's hand. But maybe it was Jonathan Majors, which yeah. would only be even more impressive if it was Jonathan Majors. But the house that he draws with the little red Jimmy yeah. painting, uh, that would be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. He, um, uh, I think... It goes without think, saying that we would all spend time on this film set, right? Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hell, hell yeah. yeah. San Francisco's fucking do- have you Have you guys been to San Francisco? Yeah. It's fucking dope. Here. Why not? Why aren't you? <laughs> is there a uh, pandemic or something? Yeah, it's like, is there, yeah, is there some global situation that is preventing you from just driving a little south of where you are right now? Hopping in a car and just going. It's literally only like an eight-hour drive. I don't yeah, know like you could do that in one it. day. Yeah. <laughs> I know you don't have your own car, but I'm sure you could borrow Hannah's. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I think we've um, also all already discussed the categories that we think it should have been nominated for. Yeah, which and it wasn't suppo- nominated for anything, which is bullshit. Sure. Yeah. Real fucking shit show. But also, like, I don't want to be too harsh on the 2019 Academy Awards because, you know, Parasite did win everything, so, and that's Bay. But it's still, I mean, last who is, who Black is Man score? of Who is score? Oh. Who huh? is score? Tell who, me who is, is score? score? <laughs> In Soviet Russia, score is you. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's the but second oh, time Matt has yeah. trotted out that uh, that Yakov joke structure. <laughs> turns out Yakov Smirnov sucks. Days. <laughs> he, he's like anti-mask uh, <clears throat> or something. Something dumb. Uh but I just recently was reminded of that comedian's existence, and so I've been using his joke format. Oh. That's all. All right, so here are the nominees for Best Original Score from last year. Uh, Little Women, great score. Marriage Story, great score. 1917, pretty solid score. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, fine. Mm. Uh, Fart. Does anybody remember the winner? It was Joker. It was Joker. Joker are you fine? Well, and it was a female composer, which was like a big deal. But yeah. like, still, are you Joker fucking won. kidding me? Out of all of those, D- the only serious. scores I even remember is 1917, because I just remember being like, I'm so tense because of this music. This music is so fucking tense, yeah. I thought Marriage, uh, Marriage Story and uh, Little Women had great scores, but I would have definitely put Last Black Man in San Francisco over Star Wars, Star Wars? or fucking Joker. I don't yeah. even remember the Joker, Joker's score. The Joker score... Is good. Mm. Um, that movie sucks. I hate that movie. <laughs> but that score actually is a good score. I do think that, like, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker was absolutely a, like, it's the last Star Wars movie, like, the last real Star Wars movie. It's definitely John Williams' last Star Wars score. So, like, it was just a legacy nomination. Which, yeah, well, whatever. You know, the Oscars always do that, and it's dumb like, and annoying. To not win, I. But. Like, if it was a legacy thing, then it's like, okay, well, then give him the fucking prize, because then he's not going to do it anymore. If you nominated him for that, then just yeah. do it. But to be like, we're just going to give him a nomination, because it's like, it's pretty good. But, like, I don't remember any specific themes from the last Star Wars movie. Which, like... I don't remember any specific themes from, like, the recent trilogy. I believe that's Jurassic World 2 Fallen Kingdom. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) I was just being annoying. I know. I knew what you were doing. I was picking up what you were putting down. Uh, But Um, also I would put cinematography and mm -hmm. uh, acting and... So here are the nominees for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, Two Popes, and then Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for Irishmen. Uh. <laughs> Those are all, <laughs> you know. Al Pacino have a good fitting suit in that movie? I don't remember. That movie Do they Do they de-age so his long. suit? Do they de-gross <laughs> his fingers? <laughs> Well, yeah, that was part of the de-aging process. That's part of why the de-aging process was so expensive for that movie. They had to spend a significant amount of the budget making his fingers not gross anymore. (laughs) We've de-freed out his fingers. (laughs) And it's a revolution in technology. We had to spend $150 million just on Al Pacino's fucking disgusting-ass fingernails. But 
man. Oh. And then what if what if it was like painted lady nails every time Al Pacino had a close up of his hands, and that's how they de-aged was just by making them very attractive nails. Do you think he bites his nails? I don't think he can get through that thickness. Unless oh, it's God. like eating a Cheeto and it just like crumbles in your mouth. Oh, fuck it. Ew. I hate it so much. <laughs> in any case, I would have put Jonathan Majors in this category. Almost, I would have made him win. I don't think anybody else came close to that performance. Even I'm Brad just trying Pitt, to, who I thought was good, is like it's Brad Pitt. He's playing himself. Yeah, like but he never won a dude. He never won an cares? acting one. The, the yeah. Academy loves giving people the shit way after they should have won it for something they probably shouldn't have won it for. Oh, he won, didn't he? Yeah. Nuts. Why? Why? I think I would probably get rid of Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And Robert, probably Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Joe Pesci was so good in The Irishman. I wouldn't take him off this list. He I was didn't actually watch my choice it because I ran but... out of vacation days. I didn't have enough to. <laughs> yeah, no, you need, like, you need the, the whole like 15 day a year allotment for that fucking movie. God damn. <laughs> it's so fucking long. <laughs> I saw that movie in theaters and. How I made it through the entire thing. The I made it through the entire thing without going to the bathroom, but I also oh. did have to pee for like 14 days after the fact. So and when you <laughs> left, it was tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I walked in and it was like bright and sunny, and then I left and it was still bright and sunny. I was like, "Oh, cool! Say, I still have part of my day." And they were like, "Oh no, just kidding! It's been a month." I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> you watched his life in real. Time. <laughs> um. Do you want me to read the cinematography noms, too, just to really... Yeah. yeah. Drive home what an injustice this was. The injustice of it. Um, so, 1917-1, Deacons. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. 1971, 17? Yeah, 1917-1. 1917-1. Oh. I think that's what I meant to say. I don't know if that's actually what I did say, but 1917, comma, W-O-N. No, no comma. No That's comma. fine. Deacons deserved it. Fine. Uh, and then we've got Irishman. Mm. <laughs> the Joker, or Joker again. Fucking shit, that uh. movie. Uh, the Lighthouse, which is truly, truly bay in terms of cinematography. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel Get rid of Joker easily. And probably Irishman, honestly. This deserved it. It's crazy, though, that, like, it could have fit in any of these categories and it could have gotten more uh, attention than it did and they, it just wasn't nominated and like it very could very well could have fit easily into these categories even if it didn't win it could have been nominated so i do th- i wonder a24 just had like a killer year last year and i wonder if they were just trying to play the game and like they had so many other like they were putting a lot of their resources behind the farewell for like you know whatever i i like I this movie never better even than heard way of that movie yeah. i was say, i like this movie better than the farewell but i do think that like the farewell was the one that was like talked about the most mm-hmm. like cuz i think both this and the farewell premiered at sundance and i think the farewell was the one that everybody was like oh shit and so i think a24 was putting a lot of their resources behind that which like again awards season is dumb and it like is all meaningless except i i subscribe a lot of meaning to it and then get really angry when they do dumb shit so you know here we are but i would imagine that's probably a part of it just like they just had a huge slate last year and they're just a small company that can't afford to like literally can't afford to 
campaign all of their movies. And I think that they, like, they chose The Farewell because they thought it probably would have the best shot. It's dumb. This movie's <laughs> sorry, Sorry, Joe Talbot and Jimmy Fails and Jonathan Majors. <laughs> what the fuck? Jonathan Majors yeah. especially. I really, I feel like... That's the one that's, like, the most egregious to me. Outraged. Like, how do you see this performance and not go, like, oh, this is one of the best of the year? Like, uh, clearly... This is going to be not. I don't know. Did you see Al Pacino in The Irishman? <laughs> I'm so young. <laughs> I'm going to just remake The Irishman with not seeing it and just make a movie of what I think The Irishman is and make it three hours long. And it'd still be shorter than The Irishman? <laughs> I was going to say. But actually, if you did make it three hours long, it would be shorter than The Irishman because that movie's just the longest it's the longest movie that's ever existed which i know is not true but like it feels like it's the longest movie that's ever existed <laughs> also just to nominate both joe pesci and al pacino from the same movie and supporting like yes it happens all the time but it's like you didn't need to nominate al pacino like he's been nominated enough times he's fucking won like jonathan majors deserves that spot and should have won i'm like very mad about the fact that he got no recognition from the Academy for this performance. Like, it's my favorite thing every year. It's just, like, getting, like, I love waking up early and watching the nominations be announced and then spending the entire day being angry about the dumb shit that they did. It's, it's yeah. like, it's, a, it's an annual tradition, and I'm so mad that it's getting pushed back, you know, two months next year. But, you know, such is life. Um, anything else on Last Black Man in San Francisco? I hope everyone listening to this has watched it, but uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, please watch this movie. Also, why? I know. What did you? Why did you do this? You just ruined the movie for yourself. Congratulations. You just robbed yourself of the experience. How dare you? you Stop me. listening now. You. What have you guys um, been up to this week? Uh... So I texted Matt the other day. Oh, this was, I think it was probably Sunday. Is like that last all you week did? You just texted recorded. Matt? I just texted Matt once. That's what he's <laughs> been up to. Then I stared at a blank wall for the rest of my week. You? What have you been up to? <laughs> Quarantine's going great, guys. I haven't lost my mind, I promise. <laughs> but no, I uh, was like, I think I just need to watch something like that I've seen before that's just like dumb, fun entertainment that I don't really have to like pay a lot of attention to or like like really wrestle with. And uh, I decided that Stranger Things was going to be the that thing. And so I started rewatching it, which, by the way, that show is still super fun. Uh, but I texted Matt uh, after I was like halfway through the first episode. I was like, oh, shit, Rob Morgan is in this. <laughs> so that was like a fun little Last Black Man in San Francisco <laughs> crossover. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so I watched I haven't finished season three, but I watched almost all. Uh, I, I finished one, two. I'm almost done with three. I'll probably finish it this afternoon. So that's been fun. Um, and then watch a lot of baseball. Cause I feel like every day there's like a new team that has more positive tests and it's like really only a matter of time before the season gets canceled. So I was like, I'm going to try and consume as much baseball as I can. Cause like, first of all, 60 game season was a fucking joke anyway but like we're not gonna get 60 games there's just no way that that's gonna happen so i'm like i should probably take advantage of this while i can so that's mostly what i've been up to you can almost hear them playing taps for the rest of the season of just like yeah 
bum, 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 of every sport is just like <laughs> yeah, blown away. At least like the sports that are in a bubble, like obviously it's dependent upon people actually taking the bubble seriously and like not doing dumb shit. But at least like you can see that the, those sports put some thought into how to do a sport during a pandemic. But Major League Baseball was just like, no, nah, we're not going to do a bubble. We'll just, like, let people live their lives, even if those people live in hotspots where this disease is spreading like fucking wildfire. And then we'll just let them fly all over the country. Like, yeah, there won't be any stands, but, like, everything should be fine, right? <laughs> it's like, literally everybody that has nothing to do with baseball, like, actually has anything to do with Major League Baseball knew that this was going to be a problem. And Major League Baseball was just like, ah, fuck it. It'll probably be fine. And then, apparently, once there was a, an outbreak, like, nobody knew what to do. I was like, you couldn't, you can't tell yeah. me that you didn't plan for this. Like, again, everybody knew that this was inevitable. How did you not have a plan for this? It's such a fucking shit show. Yeah. So, MLS yeah, is doing pretty well. MLS has a bubble, yeah. I think. And they're ML- like, they figured it out. Yeah. MLS has a bubble. They, like, haven't really, ha- I mean, they had a couple of te- teams that didn't make it into the tournament just because, like, they tested positive before the bubble started. But, like, once everybody was in the bubble, they have, to my knowledge, haven't had any positive tests. Um, and they're going to be able to finish their tournament. And I know uh, NHL is doing two different bubbles in Canada, which, God bless them. Lucky them. Get the fuck out of here. Um, and NBA is doing, they're start, they just started with a bubble down in Florida as well. So, like, good for it's people who enjoy those bubble. sports. Yeah, right? That bubble's going to well, pop real quick. I mean, the MLS was in Florida. It's the exact oh, same it complex. It's at the oh. Disney World Disney World complex. Wide world of sports, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, good for people who like those sports. But like, as the three of you know, like, baseball is my fave, and yeah. it's just gonna it's gonna be a real sad rest of the summer if I can't keep watching. So, but that's what I've been up to. Classic. <laughs> <sighs> Watch your favorite Red Sox games over and over and over and over. Uh, What have you guys been up to? I am almost done with Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm in season three about halfway through. And let me tell you, it's one of the best shows ever. (laughs) Like, probably one of the best epics of that kind. Of, like, up there with Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and the Matrix. And Game of Thrones. And get uh, way better than that. <laughs> way better than that. And like, like honestly, you almost you almost went with it. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I was thinking the other day because there's so many twists and surprises and like raising stakes in Avatar, where I'm constantly like, "Whoa, I didn't see that coming." That like, and it feels more satisfying than Game of Thrones, which was like, <laughs> "You like that character? Well, guess what? They're dead. <laughs> now what?" Every season, and I fucking hate Game of Thrones for that reason. I'm just like, that's not good storytelling. You're just constantly removing the stakes, and then it is like, good storytelling. Nah, fuck that show. They, I mean, everybody who died on that show, up until it like really jumped the shark in later seasons, but like Ned, the Red Wedding, like all of those had good setups. Like characters did things that they shouldn't have done, and they were clearly warned that they should not have done them, and they did them anyway, and then they paid for it. Like Jon Snow not... sucks as a character and an entire arc. Jon Snow sucks, and like spoiler alert, but I don't give a fuck of like him dying at the end of season five, only to come back in the first couple episodes, and for that to basically mean 
nothing in the finale of like he didn't do anything of importance that required him to be resurrected by the lord of light terrible storytelling fuck that show anyway avatar is way good uh the character arcs are incredible i like love every character i love ang ang is like one of the funnest protagonists in anything so watch avatar the last airbender and i'm gonna watch i'm not gonna core after i i i'm telling you it's so good anyway I watched that, and then I rewatched a bunch of stuff because I finally uploaded a bunch of my digital codes uh, for the Blu-rays I own, and then somehow watched them more now that they're digital instead of Blu-ray. What am I doing? Anyway, I watched Whiplash <laughs> again, and I watched Phantom Thread. How many uh, of the codes did you get? All of them uploaded because all of those codes have expiration dates. But like, did any of them? Fake. They're all. Fake. Well, I, I mean, I was gonna say I've never had an issue, but I just didn't know no. if you would run into. So a bunch of them was for were for ultraviolet, which this will be a nice PSA for people who have a bunch of digital codes they haven't. Oh, ultraviolet anymore. folded and doesn't exist anymore, right? But you can redeem those codes on Fandango now, and you can oh. link Fandango now to movies anywhere, and you can link iTunes to movies anywhere, and movies anywhere is basically like the central movies hub anywhere. For- Movies Anywhere, <laughs> a, a great app that you can download directly to your iPad or your device. No free ads. No free ads. Stop it. Movies Anywhere. Uh, but the, <laughs> but like, yeah, my whole digital library is now <clears throat> amped up. And yeah, Whiplash and Phantom Thread, great double feature of abusive, uh, crazy perfectionists uh, and the people that try to combat them. Uh, so that was a fun double feature. I watched the Rogue Cut of X-Men. Uh, Days of Future Past Row Cut is better than the normal one which is pretty cool because that rarely happens with director's cuts oh man just wait wait until May 2021 bitch can't care at (laughs) all about the Snyder Cut at all (laughs) Justice League is one of the worst movies I've seen ever Um, did you see Suicide Squad because both of them suck Uh, and did I watch any other thing else It's my turn. My turn. It's your turn to your name. Sorry That's it. You do so it, girl. Uh, I watched Black is King, the Beyonce film. Oh, I yeah. watched that too. Yeah. I don't know how you forgot it. It's I, so I know. Matt's been texting me about it nonstop since it happened. I've been listening to the <laughs> gift on repeat and just this morning in the shower was singing already and like dancing in the shower too already, which I think is so, a lit song. I think one thing that was uh, cool. So when I watched Lemonade... We didn't have the music yet, but because I'd been listening to the music for like a year, it made, and granted they're like, I don't know, Lemonade is, is all about a relationship for the most part, um, whereas this is just br- like broader, but I feel like with the knowing the music before it and then adding visuals to it, it just felt like a way richer experience and I yeah. loved it. And I hadn't listened to The Gift. Uh, oh, I think really? I'd listened to a couple tracks, but I hadn't dived in. And so I thought Black is King was all new songs, because they were to me. And I okay. was like, holy shit, uh, when is this album going to be available? And then Hannah was like, this is the this is already the, the album that came out last year. And I was it's been like, on Spotify for a year. Oh, I see. <laughs> Which was only more rewarding to then dive in and be like, oh, now I have the visuals in my head. And these songs, I feel like, are even better now that I have that. Uh, Mm -hmm. What an extraordinary visual album. Yeah. I loved it so much. I need to, I want to watch it again. 
I only watched it the one time. Um, I also haven't watched it yet. Sorry. Oh, about it. Colin, get out of here. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Queen Bay. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. Adrian was watching it last night. I'm going to share some of Adrian's texts that she shared while watching Black is King. Uh, okay. And, and it's just, <laughs> it's just all caps. Thick. I'm only on the second song, and my God. And then, oh my God, mood is so good. Fuck. <laughs> And then, OMG, I'm literally tearing up at Brown Skin Girls. It's and then, so good. good Lord, this is incredible. Uh, just, she loved it. And I loved it. I think Power and Brown Skin Girl are my favorites. Power's so fun and so cool. Uh, and then the other thing I watched, well, I guess I, I, I mentioned I've been watching a bit of Barry still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also still watching uh, I May Destroy You. And if you guys haven't watched that, you really, really, really should watch it. It is so good. And I was like, it's dense, too. Like, so much happens in it. To where I was like, man, we must be approaching the end of the season. And there's still, like, four episodes, six wow. episodes left. Really? I thought it ended tomorrow night. Does it really? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I thought I, I looked. I thought I, think I looked. It, I think I could be wrong, but I think I saw that it it ends. I think it's the finale is tomorrow Stop. night. Stop. I feel like it's been on for a few weeks and nothing lasts longer. No, there's 10 12, or 12 episodes. episodes. And I think we're and only, we're only on six episode weeks in? 7 or 8. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. so fuck off, Colin. I Whoa. said I might be wrong. Jesus. <laughs> you got burnt. You got burnt. <laughs> oh, guys, it's so good. I I, will, I will can't watch recommend it, it enough. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep mentioning it every week until you guys watch it. So here's the thing. Uh HBO Go doesn't exist anymore because Warner Media is a fucking moron with their HBO Max rollout and now HBO Go doesn't exist and my Amazon Fire TV stick mm. does not have an HBO Max app, so no. I don't have Can any way to watch it. Through I think Prime? I watch it through, you can get it through the HBO channel on Prime. Yeah. But then or, do you do I not have to pay for I mean I already like my parents have a HBO subscription and I get oh. the HBO Go through their subscription. I don't know. I don't know, it's Colin. On, it's on PS4. You can download HBO Max on PS4. Yeah, but the PS4 on my internet doesn't work cuz my internet sucks. Why don't you do something about that? Don't. Anyway, those are the things that watch fucking this week. dare. Those are t- those are both good things. I I have to watch I may destroy um, it will destroy you, though. I know. Yeah. I think that's why I'm avoiding it, because it just seems so devastating. Yeah. But I love her, and I'm sure that it's also, like, very funny with her. Um, Is it not funny at all? Is there, it are, fu- there are funny moments, just... uh, but it is, I would say, primarily a drama. Or the funny moments are, like, uh, darker humor, so, like, a lot of people won't yeah. find them funny, because they'll be like, this is morbid. Why are we laughing at this? Ow, I just poked my finger. Owie. Owie. <laughs> oh. um, Ouch. Tierney, where are you at in Barry? I'm like are on episode seven. Oh, you're still in season one? <laughs> yeah, no. I, okay. I, I, that's not like a judgment. I was just watching curious. watching it again this week. Yeah, okay. When you get to I just dropped my the iPad. <laughs> Ronnie Lily episode in season two... Uh, 
let let your boys know because that episode is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, but. Noho Hank is the best character. God bless Noho Hank. Oh, oh hi, Barry. <laughs> no spoilers. There's a moment. No, Noho Hank. You've met. You Noho know Noho Hank. Hank. He's a character that's already there. He's the the uh, bald guy. Oh yeah. That's like I know obsessed him. with Barry. So funny. <laughs> oh hi, Barry. <laughs> uh, there's a thing that happens. I think it's in the season two premiere, and I'm not gonna like spoil it, but it involves Noho Hank, and I was literally crying, laughing for ten solid minutes. So Can't get ready wait. for that. <laughs> yeah. Also, at one point, he's like, "Am I not telling you that you're evil enough, Barry? I think you're very evil. <laughs> like, just such a funny character. And that guy's like American, but he does such a good like Russian." <laughs> Ah, speaking of uh, Russians, our next movie is Death of Stalin. Oh, nice. Do you like that segue, guys? I was very well done. Very well done. It's like, guys, we're we're becoming a professional podcast. Wow. With segues and everything. Except for this part where we all just just going and waiting. Just talking about it. The segue. Trailing off, waiting for Matt to do the thing that he's supposed to do. Oh, but also Death of Stalin on Netflix. It's Iannucci, same as in in the loop and Veep. I'm finished. (laughs) 